This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ, brought to you with support from our pals at Owner's Box with their new way to enjoy fantasy sports, and I'm having a ball with it, folks. Friends, my name is Paul Bruno. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and my, you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, back in the co-host chair in beautiful Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. Partner, we are three weeks into the schedule, and division races have some expected trends and some surprises. I'm particularly looking at what's, what Florida's up to. They haven't even lost a game yet in their division. Well, I mean, to be fair, they haven't played as many games <laughs> as true. everybody else, That's too. True. I mean, so let's, 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 you know, call a spade a spade on that one. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I agree. I think there are some, you know, there's some intriguing. I think, uh, for me, Winnipeg's maybe – further down than, than I would have expected with their net minding. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say the Rangers haven't been as good as, as I probably thought. Um, they're at the bottom of the division right now. Um, so yeah, there, you know, there's definitely some, some surprising ones there, but, uh, you know, to, to give Florida credit, uh, you know, they have now played six games. They're five Oh and one. So to your <laughs> point, Paul, they, they are playing better. Exactly. And I think we nailed it with the California based teams. They're going to be struggling this year. They're in against some teams that are at the top end of that division that are some of the best in the league. So I think we got that one, right. I think we got, uh, Toronto and Montreal, right. Uh, to be battling for the top spot in the North division. So that's uh, something that pleases me. And, uh, I think those teams are on a collision course at some point, finally, to meet up in the place playoffs and i can't wait to see something like that happen but uh the bruins are, are making life miserable for teams in in uh, what used to be the metro division there too so i'm sure you have strong feelings about that but aj before we go there there's a bit of an ugly situation developing with the new york rangers and that's the tony d'angelo story front and center the general manager has already come out and said that he's played his last game in new york and uh there's a bit of ugliness going on there. I don't know if we're going to find out all the details, but suffice it to say, this guy was one of the top scoring defensemen in hockey last year and, and figured to be the linchpin on the, on the power play for the Rangers, but he's got only one assist so far, and uh, clearly his head is not right. There, there is something going on behind the scenes there. We don't know all the details, 
but uh, he's done in New York, and I wonder if any team is going to rise up and try and take him on, but uh, there are issues there. Well, I mean, at this point, I, I can't imagine anybody's going to give up anything for him to, to help the Rangers out in terms of, of cap hit. Anybody could have claimed him. And let, let's be honest, let's, you know, if you look at kind of the basics of it, 25-year-old defenseman costs him 4.8 against the cap for the next two years. Like, it, it sounds like a decent uh, player to take a, a, you know, a run at when you can get him for free off of waivers. Um, but his play this season, as you mentioned, the offensive concerns, that game in Pittsburgh, uh, his last game with the Rangers, he was on the ice for four of Pittsburgh's five goals, uh, including the final one there. And then after the game, he apparently got into an altercation with Alexander Georgiev. Uh, the next day, Georgiev wasn't at practice uh, for what they called maintenance, but obviously, um, you know, that'll lead to speculation. So, I mean, we can start there. The on-ice play hasn't been very good to begin with. Right. Um, and then you add in, you know, uh, altercations with teammates, um, you know, social media concerns that the team has. He was suspended for two games earlier in the season by the team for uh, taking a, a bad penalty in the season opener and unsportsmanlike penalties. So there, there's obviously a multitude of situations. And, and I think this latest one, you know, getting into a fight with your goalie uh, is probably not going to endear you to, you know, the, the team uh, brass there. And so, yeah, he's done by all accounts. Um, they're not going to try and void his contract at this time. So they're going to sit there with him on the taxi squad, maybe move him to the minors, but I don't think you want that kind of energy infiltrating your AL, AHL team. So it's possible he sits on the taxi squad. He's not even going to be like allowed around the team. They're not going to let him practice right. or anything. So he probably sits on the taxi squad for the rest of the year. And then once they get this year behind them, then, you know, a buyout of that last year, of the contract, probably not terrible. So and that's kind of where I think it'll end up. Yeah. AJ, this is a situation where on the heels of what happened with the baseball hall of fame voting and all the discussion about some of the, the bad characters that are on that list who are among the best statistical players in the history of the game, uh, character matters in sports. And I'm really glad that the Rangers took a stand here and I applaud them for that. Uh, as much as this guy is a valuable piece to the, uh, the club on the ice, they figure that it's important to have a good dressing room. They don't right now with him. It's pretty toxic. And I give them lots of props for, for taking this hard stance. So that's a, a bit of an unusual way for us to talk about a fantasy hockey thing. But his his position is a, one of impact in fantasy. And we got to talk about it a little bit. So anyway, that's that. Let's get back into our groove and talk about the updates for each of the 31 teams is what we're going to do. We're going to fly through this. But AJ, we're really proud of the fact we have two very good sponsors one our primary one at owner's box and i'd like to give uh, uh big ups to them and have you do our promo read there hey nhl fans owner's box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season owner's box is not dfs they are the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform that combines the best elements of the industry into one product owner's box is a head-to-head -head elimination style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts, social interaction, and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. The best part about weekly fantasy sports is that there's no long-term commitment. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition 
and get paid out weekly. No more falling subject to unfair payouts as up to 50% of users win money. Owner's Box also allows users to brand themselves and engage socially across the platform in multiple different ways, add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Think you have what it takes to be a weekly fantasy guru? Head over to ownersbox.com and start making a name for yourself today. In honor of the NHL season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. What are you waiting for? Head over to ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and join the new wave of fantasy sports. All right. Well, my, my partner takes a deep breath and comes down from that great, great promo, promo read. I want to remind you that we're going to go through each of the 31 teams with our news and notes and then follow that up with a segment on our DFS action for an eight-game slate tonight. So you want to watch for that and be reminded that you can see both of these clips on YouTube at Rotowire Hockey. All right, partner, you go first this week as we wind our way through each of the 31 NHL rosters with our lineup and injury notes for each club. Uh, what's going on in Anaheim? Well, yeah, you know, not a lot of news on the injury front there. Um, we've, you know, they've still got Josh Manson and Brendan Gooley out. Um, I don't expect those situations to change. Uh, Derek Grant dealing with a minor injury. So that's not a huge impact for what the rest of their roster looks like. They went one and three last week. Uh, John Gibson took, you know, all four of those games, 10 goals allowed in those outings. So, I mean, it's kind of what we expected out of Anaheim, that there wouldn't really be um, – you know, a lot to a lot to cheer for this season. Unfortunately, um, John Gibson continues to you know do what he can. Uh, and one of the problems that they're having is a player like Ryan Getzlaff still doesn't have a goal yet through ten games, five assists. Um, you know, they they've got starting to get some production production out of Jacob Silverberg and, and Max Comtois has his three goals, but uh, really there's only a handful of guys that I think you would use uh, in season long or DFS contests. And even then, it's probably hit or miss depending on, you know, number of games that week. So that's, that's kind of what I see in Anaheim, Paul. I'm not sure if there's anything different that you, that you see there. Well, you know, uh, I'll mention a lot of stats. We both will during the course of this program. And our listeners should be advised that while there were a whole host of games on Monday night, they don't factor into the stats that we're reporting because we're reporting uh, weekly uh, in the weekly NHL cycle, Sunday to Sunday, basically. So I can say, like John Gibson, to your point, was one and three despite only giving up 10 goals against last week, AJ. So he's pulling uh, hard on the rope as we expect he would, but they're offensively challenged, and that's a big problem. And it doesn't help that uh, Derek. Eric Grant, one of their experienced centers, is down and missed a couple of games recently. Over in Arizona, they were one and one on a light week last week, and uh, they're playing very kitty part of the door hockey. There are only three goals allowed, but they only scored three. And Christian Dvorak had two of those goals in a, in one of those games. Now has seven points in eight games, and he's a, a lock in one of the two a top two scoring line uh, pivot roles. Darcy Kemper is doing his part with a 2.08 goals against average and six appearances and defense. And, and and uh, that means the defensive structure there is really solidified. And, and uh, so that's one of the things that I really wanted to highlight. They have a whole host of youngsters here offensively that are doing the, their tricks and uh, and trying to generate enough offense. So I think I like what I see here. they got an experienced tandem in the nets, and uh, they got a good crop of young forwards that are growing together and uh, a couple of vets on the blue line. So I like the mix in Arizona, and I think they're going to be a challenge for teams as uh, the season continues. I definitely agree. Obviously, Christian Fisher picking up a day-to-day injury is a is a concern there, but I think overall, 
Um, you know, as long as he's not going to be out long term, I think they can overcome that with guys like Larson Kraus and, and Drake Kajula to, to really um, fill in on that left side with with Fisher potentially out in Boston. Uh, they obviously got David Pasternak back, uh, you know, and he's um, producing decently, uh, you know, considering he, how long he was out. Um, he did pick up. I know we, we weren't talking about necessarily last night's games, but he did score two goals last <laughs> night. So I'll, I'll give him credit. I think what's impressive to me is he has 12 shots on goal in those two games. So obviously he's, you know, not afraid to, to fire the puck and he's doing everything he can to repeat for that, that rocket trophy, Jake DeBrusque dealing with an injury. That's obviously a concern. He, he didn't play last night, didn't travel with the team. He's missed three straight. So um, it'll stretch the depth a little, but nothing that I don't think they can handle. Again, guys like Trent Frederick, uh, Anders Bjork will, will get opportunities with DeBrusque out. Nick Ritchie, the one that probably benefits the most. Yeah, and he has uh, done his part, adding some physicality to a second line that uh, is centered by David Krejci. I always like to highlight him as he insulates a second scoring line there. And Craig Smith moves up in class as long as DeBrusque is out of the lineup. Uh, I think he's a guy that could get the fantasy bump in that Boston circumstance, AJ. Up next, we talk about the Buffalo Sabres. They went 2-1-1 and last week. Olafson with a goal and four helpers led the offense. Sam Reinhardt missed the last couple of games with an upper body injury, but flew out with the team as they head out on a four-game road trip. I'm excited for the start for Dylan Cousins. This guy's a teenager who uh, was uh, rocking the Canadian colors at the World Junior Hockey Championships, and so I got a good long look at him. He's got two goals, and he's getting a top six look with this lineup right now. And behind him in net, Linus Olmark is a guy that's kind of got the inside lane on the net mining situation, played in three of the games last week, went two and one, allowing eight goals against and uh, that's a pretty competitive net mining situation so it it bears watching I think it's going to be one of those deals like a win and you're in kind of a situation with him and Carter Carter Hutton there AJ absolutely agree I I think we'll see a a pretty even division of labor unless one of these guys really takes it away Uh, as far as Reinhardt goes the fact that he's traveling with the team they're actually traveling this morning they were going to travel yesterday snowstorms kind of hammering the the u.s east coast right now and so buffalo delayed their trip so all indications you know that that could honestly work better for him another night in his own bed at home maybe helps him uh, feel a little bit better if he doesn't play right now they've got you know casey middlestad taking that top left wing uh spot for for the top line uh, i'd be surprised that uh, i was surprised to see him there i'd be surprised if he continued to fill that role um, so if Reinhardt plays, I, I expect, uh, you know, Olafson and Reinhardt will make up that top line. Casey Middlestat will be relegated to a bottom six role uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes. Look, we have to talk about the Peter Morazic injury. That's a big, big deal for them. Talk about the fact, you know, it, it started out as, you know, OK, we're leaves with an injury, no real timeline, going to have an MRI. And then suddenly yesterday that it uh, was not. Uh, as good as they had hoped and and surgery is not off the table they haven't confirmed that he's going to have surgery but as they said it's it's not off the table at this point which is certainly a concern James Reimer will be the guy for them um for the most part although I wouldn't be surprised to see them you know give uh Alex Nedeljkovic a, a look in between the goal he's probably their heir apparent at this point but you know for his part Reimer Supporting a three and zero record right now, so why take the guy out? One point nine nine G uh, GAA goals against average, and so 
Uh, I think things will be fine for them, but obviously Mrazek was, you know, going to be their kind of one-two punch there. Tivo Teravainen also dealing with an injury, but there's a chance he'll be in the lineup tonight. Yeah, for me, there's concerns offensively, though. That second line a bit of, in a bit of disarray. Nino, Nino Niederreiter still not delivering the goods on the left flank. But on the right side, they got a couple of guys that are dealing with day-to-day bumps, including Teravainen on the front line and Jesper Fast on the, lower down on the depth chart. For me, that, get, that means that Ryan Zingle might get an opportunity, AJ. This guy's a couple of years removed from 20-goal seasons, consecutive 20-goal seasons. Last year, he really uh, stumbled backwards with a very poor season that qualifies as a bust, quite frankly, for me. And he's off to the same kind of start and ranks very low on the depth chart. He's got to grab an opportunity like this to uh, right that situation and, and has the opportunity right now. So keep an eye on him and see where they slot him. In Calgary, AJ, they had a team meeting after consecutive losses to Leafs and another one to Montreal before that. A shootout win followed that, uh, back by a, and then backed by a 37-save performance by Markstrom. They won uh, the second game in Montreal, handing the Habs their first defeat of the season. Before that game, Riddich, David Riddich made an appearance finally in the Nets, spelling Markstrom. He had a four goal, uh, four goals. Uh, come in on him in that outing so uh, he has he has done nothing yet to challenge for the goaltending mix there and Markstrom figures to get a big workload going forward until he gets sorted out but uh, they have a lot of problems in terms of scoring AJ because it's really concentrated among the forwards Bennett, Levo and Manjipani all top nine wingers but none of them has any goals if there's one positive to note I'm going to look on the blue line and say Rasmus Anderson has surprised me with five points in seven games played to lead the score on this back end even ahead of Mark Giordano I absolutely agree that they need to to get those guys going at you know I saw a report that um, said Sam Bennett came into the season and said they were going to let him decide where he wanted to play he said he was ready to play center and that's where they started him out but he apparently came to the coaching staff last couple of days and requested to move back to the wing so that obviously is part of the factor there um, he clearly didn't feel great at that center position so he'll move over to the wing, and, and that's probably a better fit. But, look, they're still getting production out of their top guys. Johnny Gaudreau, six goals in eight games. Uh, Elias Lindholm, 10 points in eight games. So I agree. They're, they need more depth here, but certainly uh, it's not all bad news when they're getting the level of production that they are from the Stars. We'll talk about the Chicago Blackhawks, who, you know, if, if you look at the Rotowire depth charts and you're on Calgary, you don't see any red. And then you switch over to the Chicago and it's just red everywhere. Yeah. Um, in part because they are dealing with a, a, a bit of a um, COVID outbreak there. Guys like Alex Brinkat um, are out right now. They're still without, obviously, Jonathan Taves. At this point, I have no indication that he's going to play at all this year. Um, we just haven't seen or heard anything about him. Kirby Dock's still out. Brent Seabrook's still out. So, some of the big names that you're used to seeing uh, in Chicago aren't there, but one guy that is is, is Patrick Kane, and, and you know he's going to be who this team leans on, and so far so good for him. Four goals, six assists uh, in, in his last couple of games. He's got three multi-point efforts in his last six contests, so if you're a DFS player, I don't know how you keep this guy out of the lineup. Yeah, I agree with you. It's probably going to be a season where that's what they're left to do in Chicago is count his statistics. But in the Nets, a surprise 
entrant into the goalie mix there is Kevin Lankin, and he has three wins and one loss in four starts. We didn't project him to be in the mix with Subban and Delia in what looked to be like the weakest goaltending tandem in the league. It's only got a slight uptick with an unproven guy like Lankinen, but you have to like the fact that at least he's off to a good early start. You wonder, though, if he can hold up under the rash of injuries and COVID-related issues that this team does have right now. Next up, we're going to take a look at the Columbus Blue Jackets. They went 2-1-1 and last week. The big news here is Patrick Laine expects to make his team, team debut this week. His uh, teammate from Winnipeg, though Jack Roslovic, has already played three games in there in a top-six role, has one helper playing center-ice minutes in a top-six situation. Alex Tessier is another guy who's getting top-six minutes here, and uh, the, the youngster is also flanked by Liam Foody, another teen who's getting top-six time. Curious to me that one Max Domi has not factored into top six minutes yet for this team and may not for a while. He's in as the third line center here, and that is a situa- situation that not, needs to change in order for this team to be as good as it can. I think Domi has to dial it back to where he was a couple of seasons ago and really show that he can be a playmaking center and a viable top six option here. On the blue line, Michael Delzato, the veteran, uh, got a PTO over here, and he turned it into a third pairing role where he's got four assists and a plus eight mark which is the envy of brad Vorensky and, and seth jones these two have combined for only four points and a combined minus 15 minus eight and minus seven respectively they got to write themselves because that should be one of the best pairings in the league and right now they're one of the worst i think what's what's going to be interesting to see is how things get shuffled around including potentially max dome once you know we get a look at, at Patrick Line and, and indications on that will come today uh, when they hit the ice for their game day skate. So you're definitely going to want to check out again, not to keep pushing them, but the rotowire depth charts will show you where Line is going to be. You know, do they put him with Reslavic on the top line? That that's certainly an object. The guys they didn't play together a lot in in Winnipeg, but they at least know each other, so there could be a level of comfort there. Um, you know, does that mean that Liam Foody is, is out of the top six? Do they put him, you know, in a third line role because they're trying to, you know, ease him back in after not playing for a while, he was dealing with an injury before the trade. So maybe they put him with Dome on, on a, you know, de facto third line. So I think it's going to be really important to know where he is. Um, but regardless, I think he bumps up the fantasy value of whoever he ends up on a line. Uh, you know, you can just, slide the puck over to this guy and have pretty decent confidence that he's going to rifle it into the back of the puck or back of the net more often than not in Colorado. Uh, some really bad news for, for the abs here as Nathan McKinnon is expected to miss some time here. It, it's again, been one of those bounce back and forth situations where, uh, you know, early prognosis was that there wasn't a serious injury, but it's obviously severe enough that he's expected to miss multiple games at this point so obviously if you're a season-long guy with weekly lineups if you you know it's probably too late but if you can uh, you probably want to get him out of your lineup for the week if you're a daily uh you know season-long player uh stash him away i would imagine he'll end up on ir at some point if he is in fact going to miss a significant amount of time now the question to me is who fills that top line center role it would seem to be uh, Nazem Kadri's spot to, to lose, but uh, I think there's other guys that could compete, like JT Comfier could get a look. They could try doing something. Like, you know, I know Tyson Yost has been primarily filling a, a bottom four role, but 
to play with Landis Geiger Rantanen, you know, maybe there, there's something there. Um, it, it's a tough one for them. You know, that he was the one guy that didn't really get hurt much last season when they had Landis Geiger Rantanen out. So I guess it was kind of just his turn, Paul, and unfortunately, and, and that's a big injury for Colorado. No question. And really, to your point, AJ, they face the issue of do they jumble four lines or do they move move one guy from a, maybe a bottom six role? And I think Tyson Yost looks like a guy who should get a look here so that they don't upset the entire roster. I mean, Randon and Landeskog are two very skilled players, and not to say they, they don't thrive with with McKinnon they certainly do but uh, I think they could help drive a line and and could maybe spark something in Yost and I'd rather see them do something like that than move move the four centers around in different units that's my personal preference uh, calling on my experience as a coach in in minor hockey circles years ago (laughs) (laughs) AJ up next we'll talk about the Dallas Stars and uh, some good offensive numbers for a team that's primarily known as a defensive group Uh, Dallas went 2-1-1 last week Uh, I have a lot of time for uh, Dennis Gurianov this guy is really uh, developed quickly into a key cog in the offense one goal four assists last week and on the back end John Klingberg four points as well he is right back in the mix as one of the top scoring defensemen in my opinion him and Heiskanen that's a pretty dynamic duo in Dallas driving much of the offense they have a bit of a, a, a gap on the left side left side of the forward range Joel Kivaranta is on the IR with a lower body injury that will cost him five games but he could return sometime this week uh, in in his place Joel Dickinson has picked up some time moving into a top six role among the left wingers in his absence and uh, keep an eye on that before game time I'm sure AJ and his buddies in the home offices uh, in Wisconsin will will adjust the lineups for all teams but it bears watching in Dallas to see who gets those top six minutes on the left side because uh, two pretty good centers at the top of the, the ladder there Jamie Ben is another guy who returned to action recently with a two-point nut on the weekend slotted back in his familiar role as the first line left winger here for me the concern with with a guy slumping is is never the fact that he's not scoring goals it's when he's not shooting the puck that's a concern to me and that's what's happening right now with alexander radulov last five games no goals uh and only five shots in those in those games and so that's a bit of a, a red flag to me. Now he does have three assists in, in those, in those games. In fact, he's on a, a three game point streak because of those assists, two of them coming uh, on the power play there. But yeah, again, that's a concern to me. And the number of shots, including his most recent outing, he didn't even get one on, on, on goal there. So um, definitely a, an issue to watch in, uh, in Detroit, it's, you know, more of the same in terms of, of what you expect out of them. Uh, you know, Dylan Larkin, Bobby Ryan, there's a couple of players that are offer some fantasy value here or there, but for the most part, um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty thin selection of, of options here. I think the biggest news there is, is Jonathan Bernier has been dealing with an injury that's kept him out the last two games, which means they're going to ride uh, heavier on, on Thomas Grice and potentially give Calvin Picard a look, but you know, I, I think they have to at this point, Bryce, his numbers aren't terrible. I mean, they're not great, but 3.03 goals against average isn't outrageously bad, um, but he has no wins. He's 0-5-2 and two in seven appearances. So I think at some point, um, you know, I know they're not expecting much out of the team this year and, and they continue to, you know, stockpile draft picks and recover. Um, but I think at some point you got to at least see what you have in a guy like Pickard, or even Caden Fulcher, 
uh, while, while Grace is struggling this much. Well, and they've had to shuffle things around, including uh, putting in a, an unproven 26-year-old Matthias Brome on the first line left wing because they've had a bit of a COVID break, outbreak that's affected the likes of Robbie Fabry and Philip Zadina and Tyler Bertuzzi's uh, dealing with a bit of an injury. So those, those are three names that figure to be among the offensive leaders in Detroit. They're on the sidelines, and so the youngster gets a shot on the left wing of Dylan Larkin. There are worse places to land because he's still one of the better offensive drivers uh, in in. Uh, in Detroit, and so he'll have a chance to show his wares. Bobby Ryan's kind of slowed down from his hot start, but that's two pretty good uh, vets that Rome gets to try out with, and uh, depending on the matchups, it could be an interesting DFS play, I'll say, AJ, if he gets some regular minutes there. Up next, we'll take a look at the Edmonton Oilers, and boy, you need to keep up with the stats here on, on a minute-by-minute basis, the way McDavid and Dreisaitl went off this week, leading all scorers with 12 points each in their four games played. I mean, Dreisaitl, for his part, in the last outing against Ottawa, had six assists, AJ. That was one off the club record, set by some guy who used to wear the number 99. Yeah, his name escapes <laughs> me right now. But uh, those two guys are certainly DFS plays. If you can fit them in, they're at the top of the ladder in terms of the price point, uh, on FanDuel, I'm sure we'll go through FanDuel and, and DraftKings uh, picks later, and I wonder if you'll squeeze one of those two guys in. I'll tell you right now, I'm going to do that uh, if I if I get the chance tonight, and I think I will. Uh, in terms of the goaltending situation, we've been waiting for Stuart Skinner to make his debut, and he got the chance in a shootout uh, over Ottawa. It was an 8-5 victory. He looked a little suspect on a couple of goals, but you have to admit that uh, he was probably really happy to see his uh, the offensive superstars uh, take flight the way they did take some pressure off him in his debut and I wonder if he did enough to get uh, another start in the next little while because Koskinen has been playing a ton of games here and uh, he's been getting getting beat on a regular basis too so they got to see what they can do to support him certainly a bit more defensive structure is in order but it's not forthcoming the offense from the defense though is uh, Darnell Nurse picked up five points last week and I really liked what I saw to Tyson Berry he looked completely different than at any point he he played with the Leafs last year, the way he was running the power play. But again, that's probably a reflection of the dynamic duo up front. Like how many guys can say they gave up five goals in their NHL debut and won the game? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I obviously don't have, you know, the, the stats available to me to dive into that, but that, that's just ridiculous to say, <laughs> you know, as you said, a bit of a shaky, shaky debut, but to get, <laughs> give up five and still get the win. Uh, is is something something else that's for yeah, sure that's for sure uh one team that is getting plenty of goaltending help is is the florida panthers and they uh have two guys that are are seemingly unst- uh, unbeatable right now uh actually they are unbeatable not seemingly <laughs> uh and chris dreger is really holding his own in fact if you look at the save percentage he's actually doing better than sergey Bobrovsky. they've each taken three games dreger's a point nine three seven Bobrovsky is a point eight nine four, uh, so I don't know why you're paying Bob ten million dollars when you got this other guy making pennies on the dollar by comparison and, and producing just as well. So for what I thought would be a pretty heavy Bobrovsky uh, split here, I think Chris Dreger has played his way into maybe closer to a sixty forty. Uh, right now it's a 50 50 split. I, I don't expect that to hold all year. Like I said, I, I think it just comes down to the fact that you're paying Sergey Bobrovsky, you know, $10 million to, to play more than every other night, even in a weird season like this. So 
it's something to watch um, to see how they implement them. But so far, so good uh, for those two guys. And this is another team that that's really, uh, for the most part, pretty healthy. I think what's interesting is they've had just enough kind of quandaries on the, the blue line that, you know, despite Yandel being on the outs and, you know, they're talking about trading him or, or him not really going to factor in with the team this year and all that. Well, he's played in every game. He's got three points in his last two games. So obviously uh, if the goal was to light a fire under his butt, they've obviously achieved that. No question, AJ. And uh, good look at the forward ranks reminds our listeners that they still plan to play Barkov and Huberto on separate lines to drive two scoring units there. Anthony Duclair has been a very nice fit on the right flank on the top line. Barkov, for his part, picked up four points last week. We expect him to be a point producer, but Duclair has six helpers early on in the season. And the big surprise still remains to, uh, to me, Carter Verhage. He's lighting the lamp. He's got five goals, two assists so far, and continues to to defy us and say I'm, I'm a top six player guys and uh, so far he is but if he falters I look for a guy like Frankie Vetrano to move up in class he's off to a bit of a slow start but kind of is some offensive insurance in case Verhage does falter so we'll keep an eye on that situation as the season goes on they're getting a little more offense than we thought in uh, in Los Angeles Anze Kopitar leading the pack off to a great start with 12 points in his nine games played and Alex Iafalo, who had a breakout season last year, is proving that that's not a fluke. But uh, he's been slowed in, in his last two games and is now dealing with an illness. We're not sure how serious it is. Uh, Jeff Carter is driving a second line from the right wing spot with a goal and five helpers. And uh, Gabe Velarde, one of their young pivots who was in and out of the lineup last year, has three goals in his last seven games, looking in line for center uh, on the second line role uh, at the moment. But the surprise for me is in the Nets, AJ. Cal Peterson is the guy who moved up when the Leafs acquired their backup goalie uh, last season. Peterson got into the lineup a little bit. And uh, he's actually outplaying Jonathan Quick by a pretty wide margin at the moment. Uh, big disparity in their stats so far and I expect that that could earn Peterson a little more of the share of the net in terms of other news Athanasio and Lazat uh, both early offensive contributors are in COVID protocol at the moment and that has to hamper this offense a little bit well Paul yesterday I will admit was the first time I had concerns that this NHL season might be uh, spiraling out of control now hopefully you know, we saw this early on with the NBA and they were able to kind of get things under, under wraps there. But, you know, we had 10 players uh, in New Jersey. We'll talk about them in a minute, but 10 players, games called off yesterday. I, I feel like every Monday there's been a, a couple of games that have had to get canceled. And, and that COVID list uh, that the NHL releases every day seems to just continue growing. And so I, I, I will admit yesterday was the first day I had some concerns and, and it's, it's affecting everybody from Los Angeles uh, to, you know, to, to New Jersey, a lot of teams being impacted by this. And um, you know, we'll, we'll get back to the on ice product and, and I'll take us through the, the Minnesota wild here two and two uh, last week. They've got a, a couple of guys banged up here as well. They've, you know, um, you know, Marcus Foligno is on the COVID list. Uh, Marcus Johansson is dealing with an injury. They've got Kevin Fiala suspended. No clear timeline on when they're going to get Matt Zuccarello back either. Uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, he was moved to long-term IR and what was more of a procedural move. It won't really affect his timeline to, to return. Um, one good new piece of news, they did get Cam Talbot back after he was out 
a couple of games and, and he bounced back three goals allowed uh, on 25 shots in, in a winning effort in his most recent uh, yeah, winning effort in his most recent contest. So there's good news. There's bad news there. Um, I think Minnesota is probably doing maybe a little bit better than, than what I would have expected out of, out of their performance. Um, you know, they, they've gotten better results out of Cam Talbot, I think is what it comes down to for me, which has them sitting third in the Honda West uh, division. Oh my God. I'm not getting used to those names. <laughs> Kapo Kakonen really did himself a favor by playing fairly well in a six game stint while the goaltending situation was in a bit of flux. So he's, forced his way into the mix and the talk there. Well, Alex Stalock is still on the sidelines, and Cam Talbot, you're saying, back in the lineup. So there are some positives to report here. Uh, the veteran mix up front still shows Nick Bugstad, Bugstad on the top uh, center role, and Joel Eriksson-Eck. I'm glad they're giving these guys a look, uh, particularly Joel Eriksson-Eck. I, I think he's going to drive this offense uh, from the top uh, center position. And even Victor Rask has chipped in with a couple of goals. So it's not as bleak as I thought it was going to be with the departure of veterans Koivu and Stahl in this mix. Now we get to talk about a team that I have to admit looks like the best one in the entire league, AJ. And nobody's ever heard me say that <laughs> in six years about the Montreal Canadiens. But they're hitting on all cylinders, and they did crush Vancouver yet again. They've got to be loving the fact that they've eaten the Canucks alive in their head-to-head matchups. They've got four wins in the bank in that matchup, only five games left. So maybe when they start playing some of the other teams in this division, they can be taken down a notch. But right now they got four lines cooking. Uh, big time and Jeff Petrie leads all defensemen in scoring he's better than a point per game right now I don't think he can keep that up but right now certainly a DFS gem and uh, you wonder where his price point is going to be if he continues this uh, production he'll be in in line for talk about the Norris division the Norris trophy rather and uh, he's actually got to be happy when he looks up and he sees at the center position Three guys driving the top three lines, Philip Deneau, Nick Suzuki, and Jesperi Kotkaniemi, all doing their part to, to drive offense for this club. But Tyler Toffoli, the big find here, he is another guy that's absolutely feasted uh, in terms of being part of the offense here. And one of the guys who's factored into a league leading six shorthanded goals already this season for the Habs. Yeah, I think, you know, the... the the one concern to me is is the lack of goals goals from Philip Deneau. No goals on the year. And you're talking about games in which they, you know, I I had him last night in, in DFS and I, I I hadn't checked my lineup yet, but I checked the, the scores uh, during the during the Penguin game. Obviously I was watching that. And I saw that Montreal had scored six goals last night. And I was like, oh well Deneau has to have scored, right? No. No, he still hasn't. They've scored six goals. They've scored five, seven, five, a couple more times. And this guy just can't get on the score sheet for the most part. As I mentioned earlier, the concern is the the number of shots. And the reason I use him last night is that game against Calgary, he had five shots. And I thought, okay, maybe he's coming out of it. You know, maybe he's going to shoot his way out of the slump. And tonight will be the night. Had two shots on goal uh, last night, which is better than he had been the, the rest of the season. But still... It's just not there. And, and, you know, at at this point, I think he's one of those guys that's going to have to get in front of the net and hope one careens in off a leg, off an arm or something just to get the the bad juju gone and and get going in the right direction. Uh, I'll take us through the New Jersey Devils. 
Look, uh, obviously the big news yesterday, at least their next two games are, are canceled. Um, you know, they had to add 10 players to, to the COVID list. Uh, and, and that includes, you know, Blackwood's been on the COVID list for a while. Um, so they added a, a bunch of other guys there, including Aaron Dell, uh, who could have been a, a factor in their goalie mix. Andreas Johansson is out. Pavel Zaka, Michael McLeod, like 10 players to the COVID list is a lot. Um, and so clearly, you know, I, I don't want to say that protocols weren't being followed because you never know where guys caught it, how they caught it. And, and I don't want to make assumptions there, but um, I, I imagine the NHL is looking into it just with the sheer number of guys um, that are out right now. Scott Wedgwood, so far so good in, in terms of, uh, you know, filling in as well as you can. I mean, to expect anything more out of Scott Wedgwood than one, three and one in his last five outings. Uh, with, you know, isn't, it, it would be too much. And you look at the, the raw numbers for him, 2.8 goals against average 0.901 save percentage. These aren't terrible numbers for, for Scott Wedgwood. And I, I think if he had a little offensive support uh, coming, then, then maybe there would be um, some more uh, win columns, but we won't have much to talk about with New Jersey next week. Uh, Cause they're, they're not going to be playing uh, anytime soon at, at this point. Absolutely correct, partner. And uh, one of the guys that I'm keeping an eye on there when play does resume is Mikhail Maltsev. This guy came over for St. Petersburg and I think could be a factor that helps change the outlook here going forward uh, in the top six mix. Um, Beyond that, there's a lot of question marks and we'll get more information uh, in subsequent weeks as they climb out of this early trouble with the COVID situation that has emerged there. In Nashville, this is a team that is... Uh, getting some offense from the wing positions, but not at center. And that's a troubling thing for me. They went 2-1 and one last week, despite the fact that Johansson and Duchesne still remain goalless on the season, each of them only three assists on the season. That's not good, not good enough contic- uh, considering the, the money that they're being paid to deliver. But uh, they're each lucky enough to play with a star winger on this roster. Forsberg and Arvidsson have been productive with six points each, on separate lines. So it's a very curious situation that the offense is being driven from the wing position as opposed to center. One guy who is looking pretty good on the comeback trail here, though, is Mikhail Granlund. There was some con- concern about whether he was going to fit in here in the offseason, but he's done well enough in five games played with four points to lock down a right wing role in a scoring, scoring line situation. The defense is scoring well below their usual pace when you consider the likes of Yossi with three points and Ellis and Ekholm only two each. In the Nets, uh, Pecorine's struggles continue from last season. He's a clear number two behind UC Saros, who is uh, half a puck better uh, in terms of goals per game, goals against per game right now, and the save percentage is a big disparity. 869 for Rene, 918 for Saros. So the younger goalie who made a inroads last year continues to drive his way through to the number one net mining situation in Nashville. Obviously, you have to continue to be concerned about uh, the lack of production out of Matthew Shane right now. It, yeah. it just isn't there um, for him. You know, uh, three assists in, in nine games is, is not what this guy was brought in to, to do in Nashville. And really, it just it has never seemed to be a great fit for them. So, 
Um, you know, I'm, if I'm looking at Nashville, I, you know, there's a couple options, you know, they move Philip Forsberg to play with Duchesne to maybe try and get him going. So he, you can't blame it on his wingers at this point. He's playing with Forsberg and Mikael Granlin. Um, so I, I don't know what it's going to take to get him, uh, motivated and, and going, but clearly, uh, something isn't right right now. Yeah, and you can and, say the same and, thing for Johansson, though, AJ. That's to my point. I'm sorry to interject, but the two centers, they're getting paid big bucks over here, and they're not delivering. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, in, in Long Island, uh, things have kind of come off the rails for Simeon Varlamov. I, I praised him in, in previous weeks about being on a three-game winning streak, and now I'm going to knock him for being on a three-game losing streak. So, uh uh, maybe, maybe, you know, that'll turn things around for him and he'll start winning again. If I, if I flip the script on him, but, uh, Oh, two and one in his last three outings, a 0.855 save percentage, simply not good enough. And unfortunately for them, uh, Ilya Sorokin has not looked uh, much better. You know, he, uh, had, gave up four goals on, on 29 shots in his most recent outing against the flyers. Now I, I get the flyers are a good team. They're hard to beat, but, uh, he, he's probably got to be better than that if, if they're going to win some games here. So there's, there's some goaltending concerns for me uh, as far as this club goes. Uh, I think, you know, there, there is not a team that's supposed to be built on, on high-powered offense necessarily. And they, but when they are producing, it's only coming from one guy, Matthew Barzell, 10 points in nine games. And after that, it drops to just five for Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle. Uh, so there, there's not a lot of production uh, coming out of guys not named Matthew Barzell. And then the goalies aren't playing the way you would want them to in a Barry Trotz coach team. No question about that, AJ. Over in New York, we spent some time off the top talking about the D'Angelo situation. What that, uh, that's done is shaken up the order of uh, contributors to the defense from the, uh, in terms of offensive productivity. Keandre Miller moves up as a third scoring D option here. He's got four, four points in his last five games, including his first goal. But Adam Fox and Jake Truba form a new uh, power play defense combo on the top pairing it's rare that you see two defensemen at the points but that's what's happening with the rangers and as long as they can run through a number of uh, forwards with an offensive upside in front of them these two guys figure to get a lot of per point production if they can hold on to that the the role in tandem back there pal buknevich is one guy who's thriving up front on the top line with seven points in eight games played that's uh, better than was projected for him at the start of the season and if he continues it would make him a breakout candidate on the year for sure Shesterkin has played outplayed Yorgev in the Nets but both goalies post uh, sub 900 save percentage and that's not good enough so the Rangers hope that they can improve that percentage a little bit on the right wing and a depth role Colin Blackwell had three points in four games played but is now lost for seven to ten days with an upper body injury uh, Capo Caco has been placed in protocol, COVID protocol, so look for Phil DiGiuseppe to move up, possibly even into a right wing role in the second scoring line. So I got I got a good look at this team uh, over the start of this season. They played the Penguins four times already, including last night. And, and here's what I'll say overall: This is a young team that's got a ton of talent um, that is starting to put it together already. Um, and they're, they're going to only get harder to play as the season goes on. In the next couple of years, uh, this is a very good team. Uh, uh, Alexei Lafreniere has been phenomenal. 
in my opinion, you know, just going off the eye test, DeAndre Miller has been playing really well. Obviously they've got Adam Fox leading the number one power play there. And, and I agree, Paul, that the net mining needs to be better to kind of go, go with what they have in terms of the, the young talent on this team. And, and they are only going to get harder. Uh, if I'm being totally honest, I'm glad the Penguins have gotten four of their games against the Rangers out of the way now um, instead of having to wait to play uh, more of those games down the road. In terms of the Ottawa Senators, uh, it's more bad news for Matt Murray, who got the hook in his most recent outing after giving up three goals on nine shots. Um, you know, the, as, as we said, the trend continues. He's never, he has yet to play a game this season in which he's allowed less than three goals. Uh, so every game it's three, four plus the seven spot that got hung on him. Uh, things just aren't good uh, in Ottawa. Um, you know, and I, I'm not sure ownership cares uh, as far as making a change goes. You know, they've they've got the the young picks that they made this year, and they might be in contention for for another lottery pick next year, and and that might be the plan here. So, um, you know, the the interesting things that I that I see on this team that you know, I know Alex Galchenyuk struggled a little bit last year, but to be a full on like healthy scratch for for the last five games is, is a bit of a surprise to me. Um, you know, they've got Tim Stutzley and, and Nick Paul and, and to Chuck on that left side. So I know it's crowded obviously, but uh, I'm, I'm surprised to see Galchenyuk sitting that much if I'm being totally honest. Yeah. Well, this probably is last chance saloon for him. AJ he's bounced around the league and from being the third overall draft pick one in his draft year by the Canadians, things have gone South after early, good early start to, uh, his rookie season in the second year but after that it's been it's been nothing much to report and the same can be said for the right wing you talked about the left wing primarily I'll say I'm concerned with the lack of production from veterans Connor Brown and Evgeny Dadanov. Dadanov has one goal Connor Brown has yet to score and that's your number one and number two right wing so really if they want to offset some of the big goal totals against them those two guys have to pick it up uh, in addition to uh, the centers uh, Josh Norris had a good early start but tailed off Colin White been so so and after that Artem Anisimov is another guy who's been ranks as a big disappointment right there along with Galchenyuk so a lot of question marks there for me in the Ottawa mix and it's no wonder they're getting drilled every night in terms of Philadelphia this is a team that is not getting drilled every night but uh, <laughs> they went 4-0 last week and JVR leading the offensive parade two goals and six assists last week in the Nets Carter Hart and and Brian Elliott split the goaltending in four starts. They allowed a total of nine goals against. They don't need to be that good with the offense behind them, but it all they're hitting on all cylinders right now in, in Philly, and that despite the fact that Sean Couturier has only played two games this year. He's on the IR and will miss at least the next two weeks as well, so they're, they're managing without arguably their top center and thriving this well. It helps that uh, Patrick, young Patrick had a decent start, but even he has cooled off with uh, being scored in the last three games he's still going to be in a top six role here so I'm happy for him that he gets a chance to to make good on a on a on an opportunity to find his offensive game and show people why he was drafted so high in his draft year there Shane Gostas Bear is another guy who has kind of rehabilitated his image getting top pairing minutes with Ivan Provorov after starting the season in COVID protocol and we are only a couple of seasons removed from when he was among the leading point getters in the NHL you wonder if you can find that mojo once again <laughs> yeah i mean the for me the thing that strikes uh, that stands out to me without a guy like Couturier, what you need is you need multiple guys 
pitching in and, and playing well because nobody's going to step in and single-handedly replace a player of his level. And you look at the, the goal numbers right now, JVR five, Kevin Hayes, five, Joel Farabee, five, Travis Konechny, five. Are you get, are you getting a theme here? They don't have any one guy that's, you know, carrying the load in terms of, of the goal scoring here. And they're getting solid production out of a, a number of players. And so this is, you know, we, I picked them to win the division and, and that pick is looking really good right now. What's not looking really good right now is the Pittsburgh Penguins, specifically uh, the decor and the uh, the power play. Uh, to be perfectly honest, the power play has been abysmal the last several games. Uh, they can't they can't buy a goal, and it's because they are not shooting the puck. Um, I think that needs to be a theme for the power play is they need to shoot shoot the puck. It's very simple. As we as we've seen throughout hockey, when things aren't going well, simplify the game, and uh, that will be the key here. The other thing is the blue line. Look, if you went, if you looked at the start of the season, here's what you probably would have predicted would be the top six: Brian Dumoulin and Chris Letang, John Marino with Marcus Pedersen, and then uh, Mike Matheson with either uh, UC Ricola or Chad Ruby. That would have been what you, what you probably saw out there. If you are going with Ricola as, as that sixth guy, of those six, one of them played last night, and that's John Marino. Uh, they are getting some uh, big minutes from guy, a guy like uh, P.O. Joseph, who is playing uh, his first NHL time and is looking phenomenal doing so. Chad Ruedel has seen a huge minutes. Cody Ceci uh, logging astronomical minutes compared to what they would have expected out of him. A guy they signed off the street who couldn't secure a contract from a PTO in Nashville and Yannick Weber is playing minutes for them. And then last night, Kevin Churchman plays in the NHL for the first time in seven years. Let that sink in. This guy hasn't played an NHL game in seven years and was on the ice for the Penguins last night because of all the injuries. So, there's a lot of things that need to fix. I think the good news out of all that is a guy like Joseph is playing and playing well and seems to be uh, setting himself up to, to have been not just an add-on to the, uh, the Phil Kessel trade, but to have been a major addition to that if he continues to move forward the way he's looked of late. And people are wondering about the linchpin on the back end, Chris Letang. He was supposed to be back in the lineup last night. AJ clearly was not, but you can expect that he'll rejoin the club very soon and they can't wait. He'll probably log upwards of 25 minutes a game with all the other bumps and bruises on that. I mean, Paul, Paul, I got to interject. I I think we might be able to wait when you consider how bad Chris Letang has been playing. I mean, he he has not been good lately uh, in terms of turnovers and stuff like that. So I'll wait until Saturday. Maybe the extra time off from not having the two New Jersey games will not only help him get healthy, but help him get his head right because he has not looked good. Oh, folks, my partner is hot under the collar here, <laughs> and I know he had to vent a little bit. I knew we were going to be – I thought we were ahead of the curve here with our pace of our show, but uh, the Pittsburgh component had to be dealt with, and uh, I hope you feel better after getting that out, AJ. <laughs> the San Jose Sharks went 0-2 last week. They're struggling worse than the Penguins, uh, partner. Uh, and in net, that's where it's reflected the most. Two veteran goalies getting hammered in their goalie stats. Martin Jones. 
391 is the goals against, 871 the save percentage in five starts. Devin Dubnik, who has been a steady guy most of his career elsewhere, has been almost as bad. 0-3, 323 save per, uh, goals against average, and a 902 save percentage. Those aren't great numbers, folks, and uh, they got to be better if this team's going to contend. Kevin LeBanc is trying to do his part to, to stem the tide offensively with three points uh, in the last three games played. He's now in a first-line left-wing role. Ryan Donato locked in as the right wing on the second line with four points in his last three games. These are two guys that didn't figure to get as prominent roles as that uh, in the early going, but uh, there they are, and I hope they keep it up. One guy who's had uh, a start in the other direction, Timo Meyer. I thought he would be a top-six winner for this club, but he's listed as a left-wing three, uh, despite the fact he has five points. He's put, putting him behind Patrick Marlowe. I don't think that should be the case. They're doing uh, Patty a big service by giving him uh, top six minutes. The offense hasn't been there for the for the longtime veteran. Um, I, I, so I'd like to see Meyer in a top six role. On the back end, the struggles continue for Eric Carlson. We talked about a couple other big ticket guys earlier in the show, and the theme continues here with with arguably one of the better scoring defensemen in the league, limited to only three assists, but an ugly minus eight in eight games played for the San Jose club. I echo your sentiments completely. I'm surprised that they're putting Patrick Marlowe in a, a top six role here. Um, you know, his, his numbers are, are just not there. And again, I'll, I'll hark back to, to shots on goal. You know, you've got a guy that through, uh, through eight games has four shots on goal. That doesn't exactly scream top six, uh, you know, producer to me. Now he's also not seeing any time with the power play, which that part is maybe a little surprising to me. I, I would expect that you would want a guy like Patrick Marlowe um, maybe out there on the, on the power play. But if, you know, maybe he's lost more of a step than, than I think. And they just, he's not fleet of foot enough anymore to, to be out there. Talking about guys who are fleet of foot, and that is the St. Louis Blues. Uh, they continue to roll with three wins in three games last week. Uh, David Perron, three uh, Three goals there, uh, Shen with two. Bennington continuing to lead the way. And, and look, this guy, another uh, player that's been unbeatable, 5-1-1 one, and one, uh, in seven games this, this season, a .918 save percentage. We talked about this early on, that there would maybe be concerns about not having a, a viable backup after Jake Allen leaves. But so far, they haven't really needed Billy Huso, and, and I don't know that they're going to anytime soon. Braden Shen, as I said, he's got six goals through nine games um, and five of those coming at even strength. So he's not even relying on the on the power play to get it done there. Yeah, for me, the surprise in in uh, St. Louis is that Zach Sanford is getting first line minutes ahead of uh, Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman was signed here to a pretty team-friendly contract, but I thought he would slide into a top-six role. Jaden Schwartz, look, he's locked into a second line with Braden Shen and Jordan Kiryu. I like that group, and I wouldn't touch them, but I would flip Hoffman for Sanford in a, in a New York second here, AJ. Uh, uh, I like uh, the Perron O'Reilly mix as a one-two punch on that top line. We got a strong distributor of the puck with a with a sniper, and those are two guys that could be cheaper than average DFS value plays if you want to put them in tandem. Whenever the Blues line up against one of the softer touches in the, the division, that's a way that I'm going to go regularly this year, partner. On the back end, it's a lot of depth on the blue line. Justin Falk factoring a little a little more positively into the mix so far this season, a plus eleven. 
to go with his two goals and one helper. That's a positive development here where he struggled mightily last year to fit in. And maybe it has something to do with being partnered with a steady guy at both ends of the rink like a Tory Krug, who he himself, the offensive numbers are not maybe among the league leaders, but five points so far in a plus six. That's a pretty nice-looking tandem of experienced guys manning a second unit. Colton Pareko and Marco Scandella are rated right there as another top four pairing in St. Louis. So the top four defensemen really in good shape. Vince Dunn is a guy on the outside of that group looking in, so good insurance there. And that's, it's no wonder that Jordan Binnington's numbers are so good. In terms of the next club we want to talk about, it's the Tampa Lightning. They went 1-0-1 last week. And as they did last year, they pair their three offensive defensemen with three defensive-minded guys. And I love, love the fact that's a real luxury here to have three quality offensive blue liners in the mix in Tampa. So the likes of Hedman, Sergachev, and uh, McDonough all offer DFS value. And depending on the matchups, you might even slot two of these guys into your lineups. Uh, that's how productive I think they can be from the back end. And uh, they're surrounded up front with a, a wealth of talent offensively. But I like the fact that Sorelli has taken the next step in his career development. AJ now listed firmly as a center on this number two scoring line with six points and six games played, complementing his strong defensive game. He reminds me of Dougie Gilmore in, in the crossover in the development of his career uh, many years ago. And I got an up close and personal look at it here in Toronto. Vasilevsky in the Nets has played every second uh, of action for the Lightning. I wonder if he gets spelled at some point in the near future, giving McElhinney maybe a look. But 2.15 goals against average, 9.25 the save percentage. Uh, looks like he's making a strong case for saying, I want the Vezina Trophy back, and uh, so far he wouldn't bet against him. Tyler Johnson was he cleared weavers, this guy, before the season started, largely on the strength of a big, fat contract that was probably an albatross for this club. But not only did he clear waivers, but he is on the second line in the right-wing role, and he scored his first goal of the year last game. You wonder if he's shaken off any ill will that he might have had toward the club for that shoddy treatment, but it was necessary with the salary cap issues that this team had. I'm a big fan of this guy, and I think he's going to prove people wrong before the end of the season to be a valuable commodity in Tampa. Paul, you mentioned it that, you know, Vasilevsky has taken all of the games for them this season. I think part of that is is a benefit of them having had games uh, canceled. Uh, yeah. You know, they played through the first three weeks of the season, they played just two games a week, which is, you know, pretty low compared to what some other teams. Now this week they've got three games, no back-to-back. So I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked to see Vasilevsky take, you know, all, all the uh, the, the, they have two more this week. They played last night. And so I wouldn't be shocked to see him take both of those games. Now, the only caveat there is they are playing Detroit. So if they feel like that's a good opportunity to, to use the backup to, to not have to rely on your number one guy. Um, but for, for me, if I had to guess, I would say he takes both games in Detroit, maybe takes the first game of their back-to-back against Nashville on, on next Monday. Uh, and then, you know, the, we'll see McElhinney take the, the next Tuesday game. So uh, that's, that's what I would expect for Vasilevsky at this point in time. I'll move on and I'll keep the comments short so that you can keep them long, Paul. I'll talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs here. Um, you know, a little bit of good news on the injury front. Joe Thornton and Nick Robinson were both uh, seen on the ice doing a, a twirl yesterday. I don't think this adjusts their time frame. You know, part of that is being on LTIR. There are limitations on when they can come back for Jumbo Joe. The earliest would be 
uh, February 15th. For Nick Robinson, you're looking at February 10th. I would guess that's probably early um, for, for what they, they will actually be back in the lineup for. Uh, Jack Campbell remains uh, out after, after you know, that leg injury. Michael Hutchison, no gains for him yet either. Uh, Freddie Anderson also carrying the load. Um, but when you have a guy like Hutchinson, I'm, I'm not sure I would, I would want, uh, <laughs> him to, to play. Um, you know, that obviously, uh, I, I should clarify, uh, Campbell took two games, no games for Hutchinson. Um, but at this point, why not continue to ride Freddie? Is, is that what you think for the goalie tandem? I think they've got a very nice schedule, AJ. They play every second day at home, so the home cooking is in place. Freddie doesn't mind uh, playing when there's a bit of a gap in between games, and they've had they'll have a nice gap early this week. They don't play until Thursday, while uh, they get to watch and scout Vancouver in two games in Montreal before the Canucks come to town for a pair in Toronto. So a very favorable schedule for the club allows them the flexibility to play Freddie on a consistent basis, and uh, he, you know, while while the goals against and save percentage or not where ideally he'd like it to be the guy comes up with a big save when he needs it witness the last seconds of the game on saturday night against edmonton the game was tied late in the third period and he made an unbelievable stop to preserve the point they went to overtime and then of course it was Connor mcdavid time once again but it's those kinds of plays that make freddie very valuable and it's beyond the numbers for me when you, you consider that he will come up for the, with a big save more often than not for this club and his win percentage in his career is among the very best in the history of hockey i'll say that in his defense when a lot of people might not even realize that so uh, the offense is clicking the power play looks absolutely lethal like they could score every time out and uh, it's really because they've got good balance in the two power play units they split John Tavares and Willie Nylander from Matthews and Marner so they have two very strong scoring units and uh, TJ Brody and uh, and uh, Miko Lettinen are taking turns driving that second power play but Morgan Riley on the top unit looks like the Morgan Riley of a couple of years ago and uh, if he's priced accordingly is a very good DFS value play these days. The Vancouver Canucks, this is a team that's not looking very good these days, particularly when they have to go and, and uh, read French menus, I guess, in the in the concourse of the, <laughs> their hotel. But uh, they're getting hammered by Montreal, and uh, it brings them down to earth after a week when the things were looking up for them. But they feasted on the Ottawa Senators to pad their stats, and some of those numbers look pretty good. Uh, JT Miller, five points. Brock Besser, five points. Mott, three points. Patterson, five points. Pearson, four points. You get the idea. Denko was in the net for three wins, three goals against, but a lot tougher road to hoe this week. Besser came into action with consecutive two-goal games before last night in Montreal, leading the club with eight on the year. He's off to a big start. After a sluggish start, Pedersen has five points in his last three games before last night's tilt. So the, the linchpins of the offense delivering the goods, it's the goalies that are the problem here. Uh, Braden Holtby, who went into the game against Montreal last night with an excellent career record against the Habs, was drilled. And both he and Danko sport goals against well over the three mark. And yet their save percentage is over the 900 mark, which implies that they're getting way too many shots against here. Their defense looks really soft, and uh, I pity them in matchups against Montreal and Toronto because those teams will run and gun the Canucks to death, and uh, those numbers will only get higher. Well, to, to uh, add, add on to your point there, Paul, you look at the shots allowed per game uh, across the league right now, Vancouver 36.3, which is 
that's two and a half higher than the next closest team too. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right, Paul. They, they're getting absolutely just a barrage of rubber in Vancouver and, and so far so good. They've been holding on with it, but something's got to give at some point here. And, and I imagine it's, it's going to go sour for them sooner rather than later. We'll touch on the golden Knights here, but they had uh, three games postponed uh, due, due to COVID. So just one one game really in the in the last week to talk about and, and it's been a while since we've seen them. Robin Leonard took that contest, got uh, an overtime loss after giving up four goals on 25 shots, which allows me to reiterate the point that the best goalie for the Golden Knights now is Marc Andre Fleury, who remains three and zero on the year, undefeated with a .951 save percentage, a one uh, goals against average. So. Uh, Pete DeBoer, if you're listening, you need to play the flower and stop giving Revan Leonard so many starts because it's not looking quite so good right now. Yeah, if there's one question that I have, it's the center ice position in, in Las Vegas. William Carlson logging big minutes as a second-line center, but Chandler Stevenson getting a lot, lot of ice time and not really much production out of him, despite the fact that he gets to play with Pacioretty and Stone. His offensive numbers haven't really translated into that lofty uh, situation, so you wonder if he'll be challenged at any one point. I'm looking at a guy like Cody Glass, who was a top prospect in junior and well down on the depth chart here, but I wonder if he gets a chance to to light things up offensively if Chandler Stevenson continues to struggle. That might be something to keep an eye on down the road and could make him an interesting stash possibility in the deepest of your leagues out there. The Washington Capitals, they were dealing with the COVID uh, issue, sidelining some of their big stars. They went ahead and won three games last week anyway, led by Nick Backstrom with six points, uh, Vitek Vanasek in the Nets three three wins with eight goals against subbing in for their starting goalie. Uh, we're we're looking for uh, Ovi to come back strong, and he did in his debut, scoring the OT winner against Boston in his first game back. Uh, we mentioned Vanasek in the Nets. He's uh, only. Uh, got a 2.78 goals against average and a 9.18 save percentage. That's way ahead of Samsonov's early season numbers. So the youngster came from nowhere to make an impact early on. We wonder how that affects the goalie mix going forward. And it's only possibly getting more muddled with Craig Anderson remaining in the backup role. He has yet to take the ice himself. One notable change at practice that was noted recently was Connor Sheary skating at left wing on the second line ahead of Jakob Rana. He's a guy who held that role for the last couple of years in Washington, but he has been blanked for the last four games. So while there was some certainty in the past with the roster in, in Washington, with the COVID situation and a couple of guys struggling, there's been a bit, a, bit, a bit more shuffling than we're used to seeing here in the nation's capital. Absolutely. You know, they are, they did get uh, Dmitry Orlov back uh, as well. He played uh, in, in last night's game. So uh, they're, they're starting to get uh, the, all these guys back, but they are still without Lars Eller or Evgeny Kuznetsov. Justin Schultz has been out after taking a, a puck to the face. And that is really, uh, so far, the TJ Oshie center experiment has worked decently well for them. Uh, I don't think it's worked so well that they leave him there once uh, Kuznetsov and or Eller returns. He'll, he'll move back to the wing at some point here, but... Uh, consider that, that this team won three, go- uh, three games last week without having to, you know, uh, with having to shuffle around the, the center position and not being able to mo- offer much there. We'll round things out with the Winnipeg Jets here who uh, played two games last week. Connor Hellybuck went one and one uh, 
with one goal allowed. Uh, I, I think what, you know, has been most interesting about watching Winnipeg is, is they gave up, you know, two players to get Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, one of those players has already played a number of games for, for Columbus and Roslavic. Line is set to play tonight, but they have to continue to wait on PLD. So it's not surprising that they've struggled a little bit here. Um, you know, they get essentially to, to date in terms of guys they've been able to put on the ice. They gave up two players for nothing. Um, because of the, the COVID protocols with coming across the border. So it, it is unfortunate um, that that's been the case. I, I wonder how much that's going to complicate trades uh, heading into the deadline. Are, are, are Canadian teams going to be less willing to, to grab guys, um, you know, because they're going to have to wait? Are they going to be willing to trade with each other is the other side of that. So, uh, it'll be really interesting to see what this lineup looks like when you get him there. They, they split up Blake Wheeler and, and Mark Shifley to kind of spread things out. Uh, so Paul Stastny is, you know, anchoring that second line with Wheeler on his right. Nikolai Ehlers moves up. Um, they've got Andrew Cott playing on the left wing. Uh, essentially, in, in my opinion, what they did was they took their two, two best wingers and put them with their second center and then left their top center to play with the other two guys, hoping that, you know, everybody kind of, uh, you know, brings everybody up together. So we'll have to see how that goes, but they need to get Pierre-Luc Dubois in this lineup sooner rather than later uh, if they're going to remain a playoff team. And then in terms of DFS value play, you've got some excellent value out of Andrew Kopp so far, nine points in his early start. He's getting the left wing minutes on the top line with Mark Shifley, one of the better centers in this division, I'll say. And so as long as that situation continues, Kopp is an excellent value in DFS play. One guy that I would ticket for trading if you got him on your roster in season long, though, is Paul Stastny, because when PLD comes into the lineup, he's going to get one of the top two center roles, and that means Stastny will move down in class, despite the fact he's very had a very nice start to his season offensively with six points in nine games to date. So, AJ, that brings us to the end of our look at the, the teams around the league. We're going to turn it over to a DFS thing in a little bit, but before we do, I want to give a nod to our second sponsor, and that's Monkey Knife Fight. Now that your season-long fantasy hockey leagues have started, this is a great time to check out our friends at Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest-growing site in daily fantasy. The NHL and NBA are in full swing, and the NFL playoffs are just about winding down with a little game this weekend. The time is now to take advantage of a 100% instant match up to $50 on your first deposit by using the promo code ROTOWIRE. Visit Monkey Knife Fight dot com and use the promo code r-o-t-o-w-i-r-e today aj any final thoughts before we wrap this portion up and move on to the dfs no i mean i'm gonna be uh diving into maybe some other teams this week with the penguins off for a few days here so i'll uh, i'll get the opportunity to to watch some some other uh, some other clubs a little bit more this week. Excellent. Uh, there's lots to choose from. There's Canadian matchups almost every night here, so I'm loving that aspect because the rivalries are heating up here north of the border, and I'm sure they are in, in the division that you favor as well and are right around the league. In any case, that wraps up our look around the league. Thanks for listening to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire Signature Fantasy Hockey Podcast with the support of our main sponsor, Owner's Box. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJSholes24. Don't forget, you can watch this pod on YouTube. 
by looking up Rotowire Hockey. As always, we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. Stay tuned for our DFS segment where we help you win money with FanDuel and DraftKings. I got to say it here, AJ. I've been on fire with two great weeks, and I was near the top of both pool, uh, both contests that I was in last week. And I really hope that our listeners pay attention because we will win you more money more often than not. Hey, DFS fans, we haven't forgotten about you. AJ and I, Paul Bruno, the Statsman, are back with your daily fantasy sports picks with our thoughts ahead of tonight's eight-game schedule. AJ, why don't you lead us into your picks on DraftKings for tonight's matchups? We know that one game was postponed, but there are eight games remaining on the schedule. Yeah, there's plenty of fun games tonight, but that means plenty of lineup decisions as well. And so we always encourage you, if you have questions, if you're between two players, to reach out to us on, on Twitter. You can follow me at AJSholes24, and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. We would love to discuss our lineups, your lineups, um, and all your DFS questions over there. In terms of my DraftKings lineup tonight, look, I'm going very heavy uh, for what I envision will be a one-sided contest when Edmonton and Ottawa face off. Uh, You've got a struggling Matt Murray who's been shelled all season long against a a, a dominant duo in in Edmonton. And so, look, uh, the rest of this lineup is going to be questionable at best. I'll I'll be up front (laughs) about that in the fact that I am going big here. This is a a a GPP lineup to its core. I've got Drysidel and McDavid as my center. So you're talking eighty four hundred for Drysidel, nine thousand for McDavid. And look, I don't stop there. I've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins as well at 7,900. So the point is there's a lot of money being spent here on three guys. And so that's going to make for some tough decisions the rest of the way. For now, I've got Nick Foligno in as another winger. He's coming in at just 4,000. But what I'm waiting on is to see how their the Columbus lineup changes with Patrick Line expected to play tonight. Polino has been in a top six role, but that's not guaranteed. As an alternative at that same price point is Andre Burakovsky. Now, Colorado also potentially facing some roster shuffles after Nathan McKinnon's out. So it's definitely something to watch, but those are the two guys I'm looking at for that 4,000 spot. Corey Perry is going to be my cheap, cheap winger here at 2,800. Montreal has been playing, uh, you know, quality, high-scoring hockey against Vancouver. They'll go again tonight. And I think he's due to continue his recent run of form. Defensively, I've got a couple of guys uh, handling power play responsibilities who admittedly have underperformed this well. And it starts with Neil Pionk for Winnipeg. He costs just $4,000, but he's continuing to get the big responsibility with uh, the Jets, uh, you know, top guys. Kevin Shattenkirk for Anaheim. They're going up against L.A., so this might be a decent spot to use. Uh, a handful of those Anaheim guys, he comes at 3,600. My utility spot here, I'm going to use Tyson Yost for Colorado. He's only 2,500. I think he's got a chance to fill in uh, at that top line spot with Nathan McKinnon out. Now, if he doesn't, I I might look at other options, but even if he's not on the first line, he for sure won't be on the fourth because they need to do some shuffling around. So I'm going to watch where he fits in. Um, but I'll probably use him regardless, considering he's just 2,500. In the Nets, uh, a good night to use a backup, and that's Jake Allen for Montreal, 7,800. 
So he's not breaking the bank. Again, Montreal has been playing some very quality hockey and winning some games of late, and I think it's a good time to capitalize. That's been my DraftKings lineup. Again, I will share that out on social media later today at AJSholes24. Paul, the Statsman at Statsman22, I know has your FanDuel lineup. Paul, what do you got? Well, I'm leaning heavily on home sides. And what's the difference with home and away anyway this year with no fans <laughs> in the stands? But I'm betting that the last change makes a difference to a lot of the teams on a go-forward basis, just as it has in the past. So I'm leaning heavily on two teams tonight in my mix, uh, picking Edmonton with an easy win against Ottawa again. And St. Louis is my other team that I have three players in the roster. But I didn't go with both Oilers centers. I wanted to have a little more money to spend on some wingers here and other teams and so on. But I went with Leon Dreisaitl in the in the in one of the offensive slots at $8,700 and a lot to get points in this matchup in my estimation. But then I went to St. Louis and I took their second line, uh, Braden Shen, with $6,100. I think that's a good value play. He's, up, he's produced almost 16 points a night in FanDuel uh, so far this season, and I like his chances to continue that against this, albeit a stingy Arizona team. I think they dent their armor tonight. I didn't go back. I did go back to Edmonton for one of my wings. My top uh, priced winger in in the mix is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, figures to match up with McDavid and Drysaddle in the power play to be the most potent power play in the NHL. I think when this season's all said and done, and they're off to a great start, and uh, RNH clocks in at $7,500. That means I had to go a little bit cheaper with a couple of other players. Andrew Kopp being one of them, I spoke in the main portion of our show about how hot he's been in number one uh, line role with the Jets. They have a game against Calgary, a hard uh, division rival, but uh, Kopp's off to a great start, averaging almost 16.5 points in FanDuel play. Then I turned to my defense pairing, AJ, and I got two guys who factor in to the power plays with their respective clubs, and I get them for sub-5,000, so sign me up one of them is josh morrissey in winnipeg factoring in behind i think what is one of the other power top power plays in the league he's had a bit of a subpar year to date but i think he's just about ready to chip in in a big way clocking in at four thousand dollars of value tyson berry is a guy who really impressed me uh, on the weekend against the leafs and then again on sunday night against edmonton it looks against ottawa he looks like he's really found his game and uh, in the back uh, power play quarterback role here that's a uh, great value at 4800 bucks I go back to my utility positions, filling out with a couple of wingers who play top six roles for their respective clubs. Dennis Gurianov off to a fine start for Dallas, averaging 16.5 points per game, is $5,600 value. Jaden Schwartz uh, partnering with Braden Shen on that second line. They'll avoid the top checking of the the, uh, Arizona Coyotes, and I think that gives them a chance to light it up with his centerman at $5,700. He's also a guy that will be a part of the power play. In the Nets, I was able to go... After Jordan Bennington's off to a fine start in the Nets for the Blues this season and priced a little bit lower than I would have expected at $7,600. So I jumped all over that. And I like the balance of my roster that affords me still to get one of the top centers in the game, Leon Dreisaitl, at the top of the board, AJ. So pretty confident about continuing my winning streak in FanDuel play and hope that our listeners do buy in. We're giving great advice, you and I, so far this season, just as we have in the past. And that's why our listenership's going up, because people are winning money because of what we're talking about, partner. The secret's getting out. <laughs> so we wish our, all, our, all of you good luck with your picks. Join us again next Tuesday for the following episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ. So long, everybody. 